This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, my cat loving friends. We have a special treat for you. If you, like us, have a little affinity for those really big cats and would give your right arm to work with them and spend a little bit of time with them, our guest has all that going on. We are so jealous. We are going to welcome Gina Hensler from the Wildcat Sanctuary and talk to her about those big cats and how they relate to our little cats. As soon as we get back to this break from our sponsored Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, here with my BFF, Rita Reimer. I'm here with my co-pilot. He's sleeping now, Dexter, so you can't see him. Your your mini panther. My mini panther, yes. I have a feeling she'll laugh at us about that being a panther, but we'll see what happens. We want to talk about those real big cats, not the ones that Yeah, we do. So welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you for coming on. I We have looked through your social media and seen all these photos and videos of them transporting these huge animals to do routine care. I wanted to jump through the screen and join you. I, uh, mm. <laughs> I love those big cats. I, I wish I could handle one, but I know that's not ever going to happen. That's not practical. For sure. Yeah, we're not going to make those in the house yet. Tell us about the Wildcat Sanctuary. Yes, my first question, you told us your mission. What? Tell everybody your mission. That was amazing. Yes, so the mission at the Wildcat Sanctuary is to provide a natural sanctuary to wildcats in need and inspire change to end the captive wildlife crisis. So our goal really is to take care of the cats that need help right now in captivity and have no chance of being released at all but also work on systems and policies and behavior change in humans so that no more cats are born in captivity into this, you know, cycle of abuse that they're subject to. Yeah, we work with these behavior things and we often find that, yeah, it's it's the humans that need the education on why cats do the things they do. We've, we've been so strict in saying, no, your cat did not pee on your bed out of spite. Your cat is not spiteful. So I'm assuming because we look at our cats, and that's part of our mission, we look at our cats as the natural wild beings that they are. They're not like dogs. We didn't domesticate them, right? So I'm assuming that there's a lot of similarities with the big cats. I think probably a lot of similarities in stories that we hear from owners that are looking to surrender. 
the way we operate is uh, we work with private owners who would like to make the best decision for their animals and surrender them to the sanctuary. But we also work with authorities that go into bad situations and seize animals. In the cases of private owners who have, you know, kind of come to the realization that maybe it wasn't a good idea to have a bobcat in the house or a baby tiger, (laughs) or even the little hybrids, the Bengal hybrids or the Savannah hybrids. The number of stories that we hear of cats that don't use the litter box, that are too vocal, that are displaying all of those natural behaviors because they have those wild genes, you know, I mean, at least once a week we get a call from somebody that needs that help. And it's kind of the same thing that you guys probably say too. It's like, well, when you welcomed a wild animal into your house, the behaviors come with it. And it's up to us to adjust or make a better decision for that animal. I know here in the Carolinas, there was a big story about a woman who had a sorbel as a pet and um, it was really against city ordinance. Mm. And she fought really hard and she was able to, to keep the sorbel only because she had to prove that she was, you know, giving it the proper care. But that's not a pet that everybody should run out and get. Right. No. And the patchwork of laws across the country is really challenging to understand. There's state laws, there's some federal laws, there's county laws, there's local jurisdictions. It's really difficult to kind of sort through all those laws. And truly, in the end, for the animal, it's best for them to be wild in the wild, not not try to adapt to a home environment. Well, I can't imagine how they would. I mean, our house cats, we can build up, you know, we always, if you're short on horizontal space, go vertical, they're great for apartments. But we're talking about how big is a grown tiger, for example? So the cats that come to sanctuary are cats. And, you know, I I kind of hate to make the, to bring it up, but a lot of people have a a picture in their head of what this means. So the cats that come to sanctuary are typically cats that are bred in backyards like Joe Exotics, right? So it's somebody with their own private collection, menagerie, and they're making the breeding decisions. They're not veterinarians. They're not conservationists. They're not scientists. So what that means is the cats in sanctuary are all over the place. Daisy is probably our smallest tiger, maybe uh, just under 300 pounds or so versus, and she's our smallest, right? Versus Logan, who's our big, big boy. And he's probably 525. Those paws can hurt you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it just kind of shows you like how much they vary in, in those kinds of settings versus a AZA accredited zoo that does have veterinarians and scientists and conservations being very particular and selective about breeding because they're trying to preserve genetics. So the zoo population versus the sanctuary population is wildly different, wildly, no pun intended, but. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask different. how they do in zoos. You know, they really should all be in sanctuaries because I noticed that you don't allow visitors, which is great. And of course, zoos have people visiting the the animals all the time. Yep. And it's, you know, two just very different environments. I've never worked at a zoo, so I can't speak too much to their particular practices. But for us, again, they're coming from these very traumatic situations and exposed to a lot more than, you know, what a zoo animal would be exposed to. So bad living conditions, poor diet, maybe no veterinary care, plus the bad breeding practices on top of it. It's, there's just so much that we have to 
heal before that cat just gets to neutral versus a cat that's been bred in a, you know, an AZA zoo that has care and healthy food and a veterinary, you know, very different. Yes. I have to admit, I love zoos and I love, because I love seeing them and getting close, but I do always feel a little bit sad for these animals. Like I don't like zoos. I hate them. It's a pull back and forth. And what we usually say is the accredited zoos are not the problem, right? It's the, it's the Joe exotic type zoos that are the problem. And those are the places where, you know, we as consumers get a choice where we spend our money. We could go to an accredited zoo and pay the fee there and know that, yes, your money actually is going for conservation or, you know, go to Joe Exotic's place and just keep feeding the bad guy money. So I think it's been proven that our dollar definitely has power. This is how the circus closed down not too long ago. So you can do, you can definitely make it happen as an individual. We see, you're talking about the abuse and things, that's 90% of our behavior clients probably are cats that have been in and out of shelters, have been in and out of homes. We had one Friday, we had two hurricane kitties in the same day. We thought that was bizarre. One named Florence was rescued from Hurricane Florence and the other one was named Hurricane. I don't know what hurricane, but you know, it's these situations and this trauma, right? Um, You know, abuse, we see abuse, hoarders. We had a client, but Mm -hmm. the cat was rescued from a hoarding situation. And sometimes, Linda, it's unintentional abuse. Just not providing the right environment is a form of abuse. Yeah. And I think that's what we see much more often with the exotic animals. Uh, When we say abuse, sometimes we think of like literally hitting, you know, physically hitting the animals. And sure, we've definitely seen that, but way more common is the neglect. So they don't have adequate housing. They don't have access to vet care. They don't have a good source of food, that kind of thing. So in the big or in the exotic animal world, at least it's that neglect that plays a bigger part rather than the, you know, hitting that kind of abuse. But, you know, that still happens too. Well, think about this. Could you call your vet, Linda, and say, my tiger has a a tummy ache? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Glenn, I have a tiger. Can I bring him in? Uh, no. Well, here's what I'm thinking, Rita. We've both commented that our Chewy bills are more than our house payments every month. Okay, what's it cost to feed a big cat? That's a good question. Yeah, so the average cost to care for a cat that's already with us is about $10,000 a year. And that's for food, vet care, you know, that kind of thing. The year, you know, when we rescue them, the costs are much higher because we have transportation costs, intake exam. We might have to modify a habitat to accommodate for age or physical challenge, that kind of thing. So generally what we say is the first year we have a cat is about $20,000 and then subsequent years are about $10,000 a year if nothing goes wrong. (laughs) You rely totally on donations, don't you? Yes, we are a nonprofit organization and, you know, it's all private donations for us. We get some grants from private foundations, but we don't get any government funding at all. And we are close to the public. So as a fundraiser, that is a unique challenge because I'm asking people to donate money for cats they'll never meet at a sanctuary they'll never get to go to. And so that's where social media has really allowed us to reach out and touch our donors and our supporters every single day. I think it was a tiger or a lion that they were moving to do some medical. And I was just, first of all, the size of this thing. 
And then, you know, they're moving him around. And I'm like, what if he wakes up? I mean, I'm having a panic attack on the other side of the screen. (laughs) Right. So we've really integrated live posts and photography and videos every single day because our donors can't come to us. So we got to go to them. We got to serve it up to them. And, you know, if social media wasn't a thing, I don't know if we'd be as successful as we are today. So I'm very thankful for that. (laughs) How do you control the breeding so you guys don't get overpopulated? Right. So as a rescue, we don't uh, breed any of our residents. So they are either spayed or neutered. If a spay can't happen for some reason, we can do uh, implants with those females. Otherwise, if they're too compromised to be uh, to go under sedation for surgery, it's probably they just live alone. So yeah, that we've never had an accidental birth. We don't ever intend to we have, you know, all of our habitats are full. And we can, you know, there's always ones on the waiting list ready to come in. So we don't want to contribute to that at all. (laughs) Do you work in tandem with any other sanctuaries? Like I know, yeah, um there's one in California that um, Tippy Hedron has. Uh, ah, okay. funny you should mention that. <laughs> Tippy is actually Tammy's mentor, Tammy, our oh. executive director. When she first got into this, Tippy Hedron was the one who helped steer her in that direction. So we're very thankful for that. I know, very cool. Ah, oh, that is very cool. And if you don't know who Tippy Hedron is, it is... Melanie Griffin's mother. And if you don't know who Melanie Griffith is, it's Dakota Johnson's grandmother. That's how I've learned to introduce her. I think you've hit all the generations. Depending on the generation. Yeah, exactly. I think you've hit everybody. I'm like, who wouldn't know who Chippy Edron was? And then when you said, if you don't know who Melanie Griffith was, I'm like, excuse me? I know, Linda, you forget. We're kind of old now. (laughs) Depends on who you're talking to. (laughs) We met, Reed and I met working for Richard Simmons, and so many of our clients have no clue who Richard and they're like oh yeah my grandmother used to use sweat into the oldies thanks <laughs> thanks kid thanks linda you were going to ask something when i yes, uh, interrupted why you. i am sure i know the answer but for everybody why do you not allow visitors yeah so we are close to the public for tours um we like to say we're a sanctuary for the cats not a zoo for people So it's really set up for the cats and for them to live as close to wild as possible. There wouldn't be any tours in, you know, the jungles or the African plains or anything like that. So it's been really important for us to deliver that to the cats since our original promise to them. And it's worked okay for us over the years. You know, people have always questioned it and thought maybe we should start opening for tours and we were sticking to our guns. And honestly, when COVID came around and everything had to shut down, you know, our day to day didn't necessarily change because we didn't lose tour, you know, revenue or any of that. We didn't have to lay off staff or any of that. So that was a blessing in disguise for us. (laughs) But I think it also helped connect a lot more people to our sanctuary because a lot more people were online, a lot more people were on social media. We started doing online parties for people where they could turn tune into a live no post fun. and we'd have a pool party with Dash the Tiger Cub, you know. <laughs> it's been really, it's been an unusual couple of years for sure, but we've gotten creative with how we can stay connected. Oh, such great ideas and I hate that we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a few minutes after this word from our awesome sponsor. Molly, here's your dinner. 
Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back with 19 Cats and Counting and Gina Hensler with Wildcat Sanctuary. How did you get involved with this endeavor? So I started as a volunteer back in uh, 2007. At the time I was working, or just before that, I was working at a companion animal shelter and had moved on to a different career that allowed me to get my weekends back. And so through my work with companion animal shelter, I had learned about the wildcat sanctuary. And as soon as I had my Saturdays back, I signed up to volunteer (laughs) (laughs) And uh, did that until about 2016 when the sanctuary was ready to hire volunteer coordinator, event planner, fundraiser type position. And that just happened to line up with my desire to move out of the field I was in. And that was in 2016. And we've been rocking and rolling ever since. That's awesome. You know, to do something, to do a position, work in something that you love, that's also something beneficial to the animals. That's just the best feeling in the world. Linda and I consider ourselves very lucky. And I'm sure you do too. Do you get to ever handle any of the animals or, or see them up close? No handling of the wild animals at all. We are considered a no contact facility. Okay. We do also house small hybrid cats, such as Bengals and Savannahs. Some of them that we rescue are friendly and use litter boxes. So there are office cats. A lot of them that we rescue don't use litter boxes and are not friendly. And so they live in outside habitats. So the ones in the office, obviously I get to pet and love on. Any of the wild cats outside, um, we're generally hands off with them. Obviously, if they're under sedation and, and for a vet procedure, right. that's a different situation. <laughs> You're not going to those litter boxes. Them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we complain about our litter boxes. Good luck. Good luck. I can't even imagine what a tiger or a lion produces. But, you know, accidentally, I was trying to trap a cat and I accidentally trapped a feral cat. A Tasmanian the devil. panic. The Tasmanian devil. Yeah. The panic. I mean, this was a small, this was a kitten, probably about six months. I was scared. I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> I didn't even know how to let it out, you know? And we, we talk about, somebody asked once, if you had a feral cat and a stray cat, which one would you bring in the house? And I said, the stray, the, the feral, we're the boogeyman, right? They don't they want don't, anything to do with us if exactly. they're truly feral. Yeah, no. I'm not saying it can't be done. I actually have a cat that I adopted that was what we called semi-feral. You know, she'll never be my lap cat. but And I'm certainly glad because they don't have very long life expectancies outside. But the general nature of them, they're wild cats, right? So by touching and having these interactions with the cats, like these roadside little zoos do, 
we're messing with them, right? We're screwing them up, right? We're going against everything that's natural. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest, you know, part for us is that, yes, these cats have to live behind fences for, you know, reasons that we can't change. But how can we make those habitats aligned with their natural behaviors? And petting a bobcat is not natural, (laughs) you know, trying to cuddle a serval is not natural. So any of that stuff that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be in nature that we can control, we're going to remove that and then give them the things that we can. So, you know, for bobcats, that is climbing behavior. Bobcats love to climb trees. So we have trees in all of our habitats for those cats to climb, but we have to put a roof on top to keep them safe. So it's trying to find that balance of what is best for the cat, but still what's going to be safe for humans and, you know, making, making those decisions, which sometimes they're really, really hard, especially when it comes to medical procedures. So kidney disease, right? Everybody who has a cat knows about kidney disease and renal failure. You can give sub-Q fluids to your cat at home, no matter how crabby they are. <laughs> but, you know, to do that to a wild-born cougar. Who oh, boy. No. <laughs> I have a hard no. time You're not doing signing up for that? Yeah. 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 No. And the answer is. Can you burrito is, them? I don't know. Are you going to yeah. pick enough blankets? <laughs> you can burrito. Try to think of everything we do to, to make needle beds go right. down. And I'm thinking nothing. No. Right. And so all of that stuff is off the table. So then what? You know, then what's best for the cat? And those decisions can be very, very hard. But, you know, when those cats are released from this earth and they're, you know, they pass on or that we help them move on, there's some joy in that because now they're finally free. They're finally free. I know you mentioned that you have some smaller cats in your office, Bengals, uh, Savannahs. Um, how did they end up in your sanctuary and why don't they really make a great house pet? We get them, the Bengals and Savannahs. We've had some other small hybrids like Chaucy's, which is a jungle cat mixed with a domestic cat. We've had a Safari, which is a Joffrey's cat mixed with a domestic cat. Um, but Bengals and Savannahs are definitely the most. And like I said, we probably get calls once a week on those cats. Wow. They're gorgeous. Oh, sure. They're beautiful. And some of them that we have, like I have just never seen cats like that before. But generally, the owner is talking to us about not using a litter box, being way too vocal, you know, marking with scratching behavior throughout the house, not wanting to be a lap cat. All of the qualities of a wild cat is kind of what the complaint is. And We can't take all of them and we don't want to rescue all of them. If people have Bengals and Savannahs in their home and they're committed owners and those cats are living a, you know, a happy, healthy life with access to vet care and food. Great. Please keep them happy, but please don't get another one, especially from a breeder, Um, you know, adopt if you can. And the ones that can't be adopted out or the ones that are actually illegal to own, some of the generations are illegal to own. Those are the ones that, you know, that's why we're here. We have our little hybrid haven area of the sanctuary, and that's where those cats can live. And it's kind of a miniature version of a tiger habitat. They have a little building that's temperature controlled. 
It's attached to a free roaming outdoor habitat with bang, you know, Bengal size perches instead of tiger size perches and Bengal size pools instead of tiger size pools, but very much the same. And what we found is some of those cats that were surrendered because they were so aggressive and mean totally turn over. And I just think of Andre the Savannah. He is one of the first to run up to the front of the habitat and say hi now. And, you know, he was surrendered because he was so aggressive. The vet techs couldn't even touch him. Well, he's in the right <laughs> environment now. So that completely changes their personality. Totally changes everything. Yep. We have had, I mean, usually our behavior sessions are a little more complicated. They have different parts, but there have been moments where we're like, there's one thing you need to do, right? Move the litter box out from the window or, you know, don't plug your diffusers in by that, whatever. There's like one thing that's like, no, you're doing that. And yeah. so it, it's all human error with everything we see. <laughs> and I assume it's the same, you know, cats are cats and they've got to be cats and you can't yep. pull them out. You know, we always tell people if your cat ran and hit under the bed, don't pull them out. They need a moment to decompress. It's all about respecting them. Uh, we always say about walking a mile in their paws, respecting them and what's natural for them. So I, I can't imagine as much as I adore a fluffy little lion, cub, tiger, cub, whatever, I can't imagine trying to bring that in my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you turn into dinner. And even, even our house cats, they're so genetically close to their ancestors. They're relatively unchanged. Mm-hmm. Unlike dogs who, you know, their genetics are totally different and they've been bred differently. These guys are really, you know, miniature versions of those wild kitties. You see a lot of the same behaviors. Yep. A lot of the same medical thing. All that stuff is, is similar, but similar, but not the same. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Little differences, I'm sure. But I get why somebody wants to bring something little in. But I remember this was probably 10, 20 years ago. There was a lady who had a somebody in the eight family gorilla something and she loved it. And they had this amazing relationship and they slept together and yada, yada. And it was all lovely. And then he got upset about something and like ripped her face off. She was one of the first face transplants. Oh yeah. And that's, England, you know, I think. it wasn't, yes, yes. You know the one I'm talking about. And that's what I think of with these big cats, because we know even our little cats can turn and get over anxious sure and give us a can. little nip. A little nip. Sometimes you can end up in the, mm-hmm. on <laughs> yeah. Imagine the teeth on a, on a big cat giving that little nip or, oh, yeah. Yeah. or yeah. saying, get out of my face or yeah getting the zoomies at night and running over the bed that could kill a human, right? Like I can't imagine. And you know, you see stories regularly in the news and headlines pop up regularly in the news where, you know, someone's been attacked or or killed. And, you know, 99% of the time it is human error. Somebody left the latch open or somebody with Siegfried and Roy. Right? Same thing. Same thing. Lovers love the animals, gave them all the attention, but you just cannot make a wildcat. Even my semi-feral Karma, who's a Maine Coon, I have doesn't get any more domestic than that. Yeah, she's got, she's not going to sit on my lap and love me. And I can't force her to do anything. I mean, I can get attention once in a while, but it's a very slow approach. It's completely on her terms. She will never be a house cat. I mean, she will live with us and be happy. Thank you, God. But she yeah, will never be mine. what someone wants to adopt, right? Most people would not appreciate, like, I just poop their litter and feed them. So, you know, <laughs> her nature is her nature and the nature of a big cat. That's why I've never been a fan of, of the circus, because mm-hmm. our cats aren't in a natural environment. Not at all. You never know when they're going to turn. Like I said, Sir Green and Roy is one example. Do you have any former circus cats in your care? 
Not any of the traditional circus cats, you know, the roadside zoos that do circus type entertainment, sure. But that was Joe Exotic too. The circus cats are usually uh, not owned by the circus that's exhibiting them. Oh, that's interesting. And there's some, yeah, there's, you know, kind of like zoos and sanctuaries, or I'm sorry, yeah, zoos and sanctuaries. Like some of the zoos are accredited and some of the zoos are roadside zoos. Some of these circuses are networked nationally and some are just kind of, you know, kind of traveling from county fair to county fair, that kind of thing. So what kind of life is I, that for a cat? Right. I would, and I would say the circuses are probably some of the worst conditions for the cats, especially if they're traveling. And there is some federal legislation on the table for Congress to consider when it comes to traveling exotic animals, but I, I'm not exactly sure where that is in the process. I don't think it's passed any votes yet. Bottom line is it's not a good idea. Right. I we know our house cats hate change. You know, we, we joke that a, a perfect cat's life, nobody goes in, nobody goes out. We never move. <laughs> Don't get a new sofa, heaven forbid, you know, which is not reasonable. But we try, we use that to try to limit the change. And big cats, I would assume, are the same way. Yep. And it kind of depends on, you know, what their background was. So uh, we have uh, three brothers who live together called the Tiger Trio. And they were from a cub breeding operation in Colorado that shut down in, I think it was 2016. So they were bred, they were pulled from their mothers, probably within 24 hours and reared, and then passed around, you know, constantly. So they're kind of in the situation like, oh, everything changes all the time. Okay, no problem. So they're pretty easygoing and don't mind change too much. However, Daisy the tiger, uh, very different. If she gets a new toy in her habitat, it's a very slow approach. There's a lot of hissing. She'll swat and bat at it before she gets used to it. So sometimes we'll smear it with a little tuna or perfume with musk scent or something like that to make it more attractive. And that's really, you know, the caretaker's jobs when, when, you know, we have a professional caretaking staff on site and it's their job to figure this all out for each cat and then customize how we take care of them, how we feed them, how we set up their habitats, how we introduce them to new toys, whether they move habitats or not, that kind of a thing. So their background definitely determines a lot of how, what their behavior will be like with us, but that's not very unlike domestic cats or dogs. <laughs> sure. Yes, exactly. Yes. We, we, do you know their history? Like, when did you adopt? Or I got them from the animal shelter. Do you know their history is the first usually question because they're really, and usually they don't. Yes. A lot yeah. of times, a lot of times the owners surrender and lie and say that they are um, strays so they don't have to oh, pay yeah. the fee. And it puts us at a huge disadvantage. Then we just have to guess and try to figure out what the triggers are. And I'd rather have happening. them keep the fees and at least give you the information. That's why <laughs> you know? I don't want to pay. I'll tell you, Gina, when you mentioned that about uh, pulling the cubs away when they're less than 24 hours old, that's when I had to stop watching Joe Exotic. And like there I mentioned go. off camera, yep. the only reason I started watching it in the first place is because I was getting questions. But uh, this is just my personal opinion. I'm glad he's in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. Always hurting living beings. And we've seen with our cats, you know, they grieve, they love, they bond, they, mm -hmm. you know, they have happy, they have sad, they all of it. And to use them as a commodity, right? It's yeah. Just, yeah. 
Are there, are any of your animals ever able to be rehabilitated and sent back out to the wild or are they always too far gone? Once they come to the sanctuary, that is their home for life. Um, So none of the exotic species would ever be able to be rehabbed and released from this country into another country. But we do care for wild-born orphans as well. Um, A lot of states, there is laws against rehabbing and releasing apex predators. So uh, bobcats and cougars, also known as mountain lions, pumas, those guys are generally found, when they're found orphaned in the wild, they need a home. And that could be an AZA zoo, or it could be an accredited sanctuary. So we have quite a few wild-born bobcats and cougars, and they will not be released because the wildlife and rehab uh, world has deemed that they are not eligible. So they've come to us. Well, yeah. One of the situations we often have a problem with our bottle said cat which I mean please rescue the cat do it do it do it yeah you know Rita got a couple pairs that were found three or a pair that were found three weeks old in a ditch so of course these these cats need some extra help however they don't know how to cat none of these cats know how to cat they don't know when the other Mm -hmm. cat hisses at them that they should back off they don't speak the language they don't know how to be a cat so I can only when you were talking about you know taking them from their mothers within 24 hours and hand feeding them, yeah, you just crippled them. You just screwed them mm-hmm. for life, right? Like, yeah. it's not a good thing in a home, but it's better than death. But they're going to be house cats. Well, that yeah. thing, too, is then they're not afraid of humans anymore if you put them out into the wild. And they may approach a human that will kill them. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a big challenge, I think, uh, in a situation like a breeder and dealer, like we saw in Tiger King, those cubs have been pulled away. So they're not learning from their mom, but generally they're together and they might learn from each other or they might make up their own language with each other, that kind of thing. Um, We were challenged about a year and a half ago. We were on a rescue. We got called to Indiana to rescue two tigers and two lions. The owner had passed away. The family reached out for help. We packed up the car and went to go. And as we were pulling in, the female tiger gave birth. Oh, and you know, it was a breeding facility. And so Winona, the tiger who's still with us, she had been giving birth over the course of the past years, but they'd been pulling the cubs. So she'd never raised a cub. She'd never been a mom. Nope. And we were right in the middle of the rescue and it was time to load them up and put them in the cub. So we literally had a tiger cub that was about three hours old, maybe about three pounds. And it was the November of 2020. So COVID was in full, you know, full on blast. It was pre-vaccines and big cats can contract COVID. So what do you do? What did (laughs) you do? What do you do? So our executive director quarantined herself and this little tiger cub now known as Dash. And they just kind of stayed away from all other humans, all other cats, tried to prevent any kind of infection at all. And she did have to bottle raise him. And it was a massive challenge. Dash is, uh, would that make him about a year and a half old now, something like that. 
And I would say he talks his own language. I am not sure that he would be able to merge with another tiger. I'm sure not. Tiger. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. He's imprinted on humans. So. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Well, and yet we can't, so. we can't make them into house cats, no matter what you nope. do, just like nope. the ape. But we also can take away some of their natural instincts and their natural abilities. I'm dying for that mother. I've given birth three times. Yeah. Did she suffer serious depression? Like, I'm going to cry at the thought of somebody taking my baby away 24 yeah. hours later that's got me really messed up really messed up this is where i just i look at these animals in complete awe winona is one of the happiest tigers she loves playing with her barrels Aww. she bounces around and you know plays at the fence and i just you know you look at a cat that's been through what she's been through and she has every right to be mad <laughs> And she's not. She forgave it all. And I think that there's a big credit to our caretakers who helped her get there. But she, you know, she knows she's safe. She knows she's safe. Yeah, she knows she's safe and she's made the choice. So we're, they, running you know, low, had, we're running out of time. So this will have to be the last <laughs> question. You have Linda. to come back. You have to come back. Okay. So <laughs> I assume had they left the cubs with her, she would have, her natural instincts would have kicked in and she would have nursed them. However, when Don't they're taken away, that. taken away, taken away, she has learned. Yeah. She never yeah. learned how to, how to mom. So, right. Yeah. And we were getting ready to load them all up in a trailer and drive them from Indiana to Minnesota. So those logistics wouldn't have worked either. It was one of the biggest challenges we've ever had as a nonprofit. And we pulled through and Dash is a happy young boy right now. And Winona is a happy girl. <laughs> See, that's why you're there. And that's exactly why these yep. sanctuaries exist. As we wrap up, can you um, tell everybody how they can help you, Gina? How can they support the, the sanctuary? Yeah. Well, like I said, social media is our biggest way of reaching out and, uh, you know, touching our donors. Uh, we're most active on Facebook, Wildcat Sanctuary. Um, we have about 3 million people on our Facebook page. We also have a very active TikTok account, about one and a half million people there. Oh, awesome. And really trying to be a voice for education on TikTok, because that's where you see a lot of the people with their servals as pets and things like that. So they're making a good effort there too. And then of course, our website is wildcatsanctuary.org. And that's a good place to just find profiles of the cats, see what our, you know, what we got going on, uh, that kind of thing. But I would say Facebook definitely for daily live posts, daily photos, daily videos, everything all day we'll long. We'll post all these links when we Rita, share I'm not going to be able to work awesome. today. I'm not going to be able to work today. Go <laughs> Sorry, we, we have a full docket today, girl. You never let me have any fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. Please come back and yeah, share more yeah, information definitely. about the big cats with our audience. Um, there's so much that we can learn from them, even to tear, even to care for our little felines in our own homes. We can learn from them. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was great Thank to get you. to know Thank you too. And Thank you so much. Love talking cats. <laughs> and too. and yeah. as, as always, Linda, thank you for bringing my, my shotgun, my co-host and my BFF. Uh, Gina, please do come back, uh, talk some more about Wildcat Sanctuary. We will include all these links when we post the video to YouTube. And of course, I have to thank Mark Winter for giving us this awesome platform on Pet Life Radio. Until next time, everybody, remember, every day is Catterday, not just today. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. 
only on PetLifeRadio.com.